Hi, my name is Quanice Floyd. And I'm Peter Dayton. Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. A program of the Embrace series, which is a partnership between arts education in Maryland schools and the Maryland State Department of Education Fine Arts Office. This podcast will examine the human side of arts education and is an opportunity to highlight arts educators from around the state of Maryland. During each episode, we will interview an arts educator to talk about their journey. Each interviewee will be facilitating a workshop as a part of the Embrace series. Our guest today is Nicoletta Dorita de la Brown. She is an MSAC roster teaching artist, performance artist, and shaman. She is facilitating The Power of Ritual, an Embrace session for Maryland's creative teaching force on Thursday, April 30th from 4 p.m. to 4.45 p.m. Nicoletta, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been such a pleasure to do these interviews, and I am so interested to learn about everyone's practice. I feel like yours might be some of the most opaque to me. So if you could define your work, which is always a hard thing to do for an artist, what would you call it? I would say it's a cross-section between um, art and spirituality. Could you, could you go into what, what that looks like as it unfolds for an audience member? Sure, absolutely. So... I am interdisciplinary. My work tends to show up as performance-based work. So in white wall gallery spaces, in public spaces, in traditional um, museum type spaces, and then also non-traditional spaces um, in his performance space. So I interact directly with the public, but in my studio, I am using um, objects, garments. I fabricate headdresses and garments to adorn my, my body with. I also uh, create immersive video um, installations to respond to. And so basically I create an immersive environment for the public to be invited into, and then I interact with them directly. And so it becomes this suspension of disbelief um, where people are in a, a world that may be new to them. And it's an introduction to my heritage. I'm Latinx. I'm a Panamanian first generation born in this country. And so I fuse things that are cultural, um, that really are thinking about and discovering and uncovering wellness and healing and health and spirituality. And then I am a professionally trained um, visual artist. So I fuse the two together. So I'm guessing the visual arts aspect comes into your own uh, design uh, and in in the case of, uh, if you said, you know, what, what you wear in your in your videos or in your performances. Uh, but I wanna go back to the idea of immersion and its connection to the spiritual. Uh, because you, the first thing you said was was the, the merging of the artistic and the spiritual, which for me is already a pretty blurry line. So what is it about uh, immersion that you find to be a, a spiritual state? What I feel is that um, we experience things, we are sensory beings, so we take in the world through perception. And so, what happens for me is that it is blurry for me as well. It's like I am a person and I experience the world and I know for myself that I'm connected to something bigger than myself. I don't make the sun rise or set. I don't make birds fly, but I can experience them. So when I talk about kind of merging them together, what I'm talking about is the things that are not explainable like things that are bigger, bigger concepts and themes with something that's tactile that you can experience and therefore have some kind of greater understanding. And that's how I approach my own discovery in my work. And then that's what I invite others to do um, to experience with me. I love the idea that you 
uh, just brought up about discovery in your own work. Can you talk more about the creation of a work or, or what you mean by discovery in your own work? Because I think uh, for, for artists who uh, either uh, are just creating in their own spaces, but also ones who are using time-based mediums, that the, the process of a work unfolding has a kind of discovery in it. But could you elaborate on that a little more? Sure. I mean, it's as simple as sometimes me thinking about a memory, like an early childhood memory, like how my grandmother would make food in her kitchen. And when I think about it in a deeper way, how did I feel in those moments? What was she making? What was her intention? She was not only feeding me, but she was also loving me at the same time. And there's something really much bigger about love and connection and spirituality of what it means to care for someone else and to receive love from someone else. And so what I'll do is I will take that memory and kind of break it down into components and reconstruct it using materials. So I'll think about what ingredients she used or what it smelled like, what the light was like, um, what objects remind me of the space she was in. And so I'll start to actually render them in form, like use materials that are, you know, sometimes conventional art materials or sometimes unconventional art materials. And then I will recreate them so that they are an expression of that or um, conceptualize how I felt in that moment. And so I can recall what it was like to be six in my grandmother's kitchen. I think those uh, everyday um, experiences or, or ones that certainly can seem mundane are infused with a particular significance, especially when we we take a moment to examine them and like you said, sort of tease them apart to make them a, a sensory and therefore emotional experience. And this might lead into just a little teaser talking about uh, what you will be uh, facilitating for your um, Embrace session. So do you wanna talk a little more about what arts educators are going to experience in the power of ritual? Yeah, so for me, what I'm sharing is that I've been really embracing what ritual is. We experience and create and perform ritual every day. Brushing your teeth is a ritual, taking a shower. Um, what you do before you enter a room is a ritual, but sometimes we don't think about it. It just becomes habit or routine. And there is a power that we can harness when we are deliberate and set intention for the moments that we are creating. And as an educator, I'm an, I'm an educator myself, I really think about what can I create to really truly invite others into really experiencing the exercise or activity fully. And so I will take time to develop rituals that support what my outcome will be. And therefore also what I've learned as an educator is that you know students don't learn from what we say, they learn from what we do, we model things. Mm. So it's about modeling that. And so when I create rituals, I am really kind of creating a muscle memory. I'm saying to myself, this is how this experience, I want it to go. And so I found that my students then model it back. And so that's kind of the power of it. The actual going through it is a, a like a technique to build in muscle memory so that we are getting the outcome that we are aiming for. If I had to tease apart what ritual is, would be uh, structure and significance. Uh, and the structure itself has a significance. And right now, I think many of us are struggling with a, a larger lack of structure, which has been around us and and for in, in better and worse ways supported uh, a momentum for us, which now we've all run into a collective wall 
And so building up new structures uh, are significant themselves and then finding a significance within it can lead to a healthier mindset. Exactly. I mean, that's really what it is. It is the structure. It's the structure that makes us feel secure, safe, heard, valued, seen. And all of those things have changed dramatically for all of us. And I can speak for me myself. It's like the way that I interacted with the world has changed. And so I am trying to gain my equilibrium, gain my balance. Like I haven't changed. The world has changed, but then I can adjust so that the world still feels safe for me. Yes, uh, exactly. So tell us how you became involved in the arts. Was there a specific moment that sparked your passion for creating, um, especially with such a comprehensive and unique approach with a, a sort of performance art immersive experience approach? How How did that approach to creating begin? So my mom tells me that when I was like three or four, that she gave me a box of um, pretty standard Crayola crayons and that she found me four hours later still coloring. And she's like, oh, this is something. <laughs> like you're like, if any educator knows that a three or four-year-old doing something for four hours is like a, ooh, that's an indicator that that could be you. And so- you know, I always was creative. I feel like the way that art is my first language, um, honestly. And then I went to Baltimore School for the Arts and that's where I learned what an artist is. So before that, I was just existing, right? Just right. rendering, creating, playing, exploring. And then when I was a student at Baltimore School for the Arts and then moved on to other um, higher education uh, programs, I built a structure around it. I realized that it was a career path and not only that, but that it was truly the way that I communicate with the world and that the way that I take in the world. That's really wonderful to have been uh, encouraged parentally, uh, as well as, as obviously going to a school geared towards the arts. Another question that we usually ask is something about the role your education played in introducing you to the arts. Going to BSA, it's, it's, there's no, it's a no brainer of how that played a role in your education, but was there a particular teacher um, during that educational journey that you would like to, to highlight or, or share a memory with for being an important part of that journey uh, and, and shaping the artist you've become? Yes. Um, so at the time, Stephen Kent was the uh, visual arts director at Baltimore School of the Arts. He was the one that kind of shaped the program and he was there from the beginning of the school. He uh, retired a couple years ago. We're still connected. He's still a mentor and trusted advisor in my life. And I remember, you know, when I started at BSA, I was just experimenting, but he really helped me see the power of what I was creating and what it actually said to other people. And that, that was a really powerful moment for me. I thought, as a young person, I was just making things, but he said, you're actually speaking your truth. And then I realized it was my power. So for example, if I was saying something that was my own experience, someone can't be in my body or be in my shoes literally, but through art, I can have someone feel what I feel. And that is a powerful gift, especially when, as a teenager, when I felt like sometimes I had no voice, like adults tell me what to do, but then I didn't know that I could command space. So I learned that through his um, guidance that I could really shift a room 
with a piece of art that I made. In our interview with Michael Bell, uh, the, a similar idea came up about the importance of uh, of self-expression. Uh, and I, I think for young developing adults right now, that's that's more important than ever. And the empowerment of being able to, as you put so eloquently, hold space uh, or command space and create a multi-sensory experience through which people can empathize. Just saying, I feel something is not as comprehensive of the experience of feeling it as a work which which affects your senses as much as the feeling affects our own senses and, and physical body when we feel it. Right, exactly. I think that, like you're saying, it, it's like if I can have someone feel something, it will... This is this is something that I think about often. People don't remember what we say, they remember what we do and how we made them feel. And so that's how I approach making work. And that's how, when I think about pieces of work that actually resonate with me, it, I think about how did that piece make me feel? That's the things that stick. So yeah. So you, um, in one of the Zoom calls that we have been uh, on together, uh, when you were sitting in your magnificent throne, um, you, you mentioned the importance of, of having a space like that in, in uh, commanding presence with your children. Uh, so I, I want to talk a bit about the, the way in which um, you might be using the arts to engage with your children during a, a time where their daily structure has been completely removed. Uh, how are your children engaging in the arts and do they have access to arts education uh, in their school on a normal basis. So yes, they do have access, which I s appreciate so much that they have. Um, my oldest son is a BSA student, so he's, um, you know, walking a similar path as me. And then my younger ones have a program that has it embedded in there, you know, in the structure. Um, at home right now, we are using art as language. For example, when they're feeling, they've had these moments where they just break down and they're crying. Um, and they can't even express or emote with words, language, why? So instead of trying to find those words, they will pick up what my, my oldest son will pick up a bass guitar. He's a filmmaker, but he finds that he can express himself playing, you know, chords on a bass guitar. And he'll take however much time he needs and just like kind of feel out what he's experiencing. And then that's his way of responding. And so that was something that I do. I respond to how I feel um, through movement. And so they each have picked up their own technique using art as a way to express how they're feeling, but not with the concept of this is a piece of art, but this is me emoting. And so my younger, my daughters are really um, into design and fashion. And so they've created their own um, masks because, you know, now we all have to wear masks when we go outside. So that was their canvas. And my daughter made herself into a kitty cat because she's like, whiskers are great and a nose is great. And it made it more fun. It made something that is a very bigger kind of potentially sometimes for them scary concept of why do I have to wear a mask? But then they also make it playful so that it feels, it feels tangible. Like they can... They can hold it and they feel like they're powerful in it. Like I have my mask that I made and I now know that I'll be okay. And it's, it, it's some of the sting out. Yeah. A small grasp at agency in a, in a moment where there is, where we are all being tossed by forces more powerful than ourselves. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, like my sons are very, um, both of, I have two boys and two girls in my, my son's tend to be more into tech. They love film. And so they will um, have these like 
film talks. They'll watch a film and then they'll talk about what the scenes were or what the lighting was. And so even if they're not making that piece, because it's them kind of looking at a, a piece that another artist made, a, a professional filmmaker, they're still using those that art language. They're still decoding messages and information through like the structure of how something was presented to them. And so that really helps them get mindful. I think it part of it is is them practicing mindfulness. And that's the way that they're doing it, using art to kind of be in this present moment. I can't control what's happening outside. I may not even be able to go outside, but what I can do is have this moment with this piece of art or I can experiment with something or or sketch something and then that makes them feel a sense of control of agency right that's that's really marvelous to hear how multifaceted and and how many different ways your family is is engaging in art during this time i I think yeah especially the uh, like a mindful approach to even engaging with entertainment because we're all watching a lot more entertainment right now which is in fact a form of arts because of all of the technical technical work that goes into creating a, a TV set or a, a movie set, all the costumes, all of the actors, all of that is supported by uh, an arts infrastructure, but to, to not just be consuming it, but to be mindful about it and in some ways be examining it in order to inform our own artistic practices is really marvelous. I also learned so much from them too, about looking at things new and different. So for example, they'll pick something that I you know, my, my son is really into anime. And so he'll pick something and say, mom, watch this with me. And then we'll talk about it. So it's this lovely thing where he's sharing something new with me. And then I'll reciprocate by sharing a movie that I found that would maybe speak to the same kind of language. We'll kind of match each other. He'll show me something and I say, Ooh, I have something that you may, may, um, also enjoy and they're totally different. And then we get to have a a rich, deep conversation and we're not thinking about the stuff that's like so big that we can't control that's outside. At the same time, I'm sure engaging with anime is really interesting right now because there are so many narratives in that genre that are based around dystopian worlds. And so it's it's a way of of maybe uh, addressing some of the the fears, concerns, and and things in the back of our mind without uh, without having to read the news, but consuming a creative work. Uh, that also may speak to our times. Yeah. And that's really been powerful too, because my, like, especially my oldest son, who's 15, he's thinking about what it means to be 15 and what in the next couple of years it looks like and feels to be an adult. And so he's actually creating his own sense of value, like his own value system. And so he's thinking about when he returns to whatever the new normal will be, how he wants to take some of the things that he has um, created in in this time with him because there were things that didn't work for him before, a uh, pressure, um, stress, um, things that he 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 says is anxious energy or anxiety. He says he wants to take some of the things that he's been discovering for himself with him out into the world, and all of that started with art conversation and art language. Hopefully, uh, one of the one of the things that we can take forward in in a in a way to grow through this experience are uh, establishing new and healthier rituals and practices for ourselves that um, in a world and in a new normal uh, we can we can have become more intentional and and a better version of the self that we would want to be 
uh, using this time for that kind of reflection. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Nicoletta. Um, your session is going to be on Thursday, April 30th from 4 p.m. to 4.45 p.m. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so lovely and I'm super excited about the upcoming um, Embrace session. Thank you for listening to the Embrace podcast. For more information on arts education in Maryland schools, visit aems-edu.org. To learn more about the Embrace series and how to register for a session, go to msdefinearts.org. Stay safe and stay creative.